0: Today on Real Radio.
1: Every one of us who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, in spite of our failures and shortcomings as a follower of Christ, we ought to all know theologically, because it's accurate, that we are the disciple that Jesus loves. You are that disciple whom Jesus loves right now. You say, well, what about the person next to me? Well, if they're a follower of the Lord Jesus, Jesus loves him too.
0: Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs, I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called Anchored, a study in First Peter, with a message called The Christian Life, Part 1. You know, the Apostle Peter was one of the original 12 disciples of Christ who later became the leader of the first church. There were times when Peter failed the Lord, that's true, but he learned that through Christ's forgiveness and compassion, he could find joy even in the midst of failure and the pain that it causes. Peter writes to us that the Christian life is anchored in the hope of a future. Still, there is a direct correlation between our level of hope and the devotion we have towards God. He tells us to conduct ourselves in fear and reverence of the Lord, but the terrorizing fear that the Roman Emperor Nero caused for the Christian is not the same fear. There's a beautiful, healthy, and appropriate fear of the Lord that's greater than any earthly intimidation. So today on day one of this message, Pastor Jack tells us that Christians today are also the target of intimidation and fear. But just like the Christians in Peter's day, we have immediate access to the Father in prayer and a hope for an awesome future knowing that this world is not our home. And now in his message called The Christian Life, part one, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs.
1: Looking at a message entitled this morning, The Christian Life. The Christian Life, what does it mean? As we talk about Christianity, talk about following the Lord Jesus, Peter is speaking to, as you know, if you've been attending, A great host of believers who have been driven out from their life, mocked, ridiculed, scorned, put under the threat of death for being a Christian. The persecutions of Emperor Nero are underway, and Peter speaks to them about living their life. Father, we pray this morning that in the next 50 minutes, next 55 minutes, our lives would be transformed. As we desire every week, as we gather around your word publicly, corporately, as a convocation of believers, that today, Lord God, we would experience transformation. Father, thank you that you not only save us, but you change us. And you're doing that. And so today, no matter where we may be as believers, may the simplicity of what we're reading strike us, may the depth of it pierce us. And Father, may the reality of your word absolutely transform us. So Lord, we give you this time. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. And as you do, the last time that we were here together, we were invited by Peter to walk with God in this new life as believers. And as he's speaking to those 2,000 years ago that were on the move, on the run for their lives, to walk holy lives dedicated lives. And uh, we looked at that and we looked at the meaning of it. And so as the theme is, you look to the screen or you look to the stage, I should say, and our, our theme for this, Peter would say to them that you're to be anchored. You're to be anchored into the promises and in the doctrines of God as believers. And uh, that word goes out. And I, I don't want to sound morbid by no means, so I want to say that up front, but That word goes out 2,000 years ago to a Christian culture that was being persecuted. And I'm grateful that you and I live in the time in which we live in now because we need to hear from Peter again in the world that you and I live in. We live in a hostile world. Someone told me recently, very recently, oh yeah, pastor you and the church that you pastor, you guys are always... Uh, fighting against something. You're fighting against something. You're the church that's always against something. And I thought about how negative that sounded. I thought about how sad that sounded. And then it dawned on me after meditating on that for the last couple of days, well, wait a minute. We're actually taking a stand for things that are ungodly. That it's not that any of us have embarked upon some effort to be against anything. We're for life. We're for God. We're for forgiveness. We're for grace. We're for salvation. We're for the ultimate change that God wroughts in the person's life. But we live in a world right now that, as Isaiah prophesied, and as Jesus warned that there'd be a day coming when good would be called evil and evil would be called good and what is right would be wrong and what is wrong would be right. And so if you're going to take a stand, we have to make sure that we maintain, starting with me, that the love is communicated, but by no means do we compromise. And, and Peter's audience was a people that did not compromise. They, They loved all. In fact, I told you before, the empire had made note that the Christians were the most loving people and the most obedient citizens in the empire. And so you and I should be labeled the same way. But they wouldn't bow and they would not confess that Caesar is Lord. Rather, they bowed and confessed that Jesus is Lord and that got them into a lot of trouble and so they're on the run. And so we look at three things today that are important to them and to us today. Look at verse 17. The Christian life is anchored because the future is all about our hope. Will you write that down? It's it's all about our hope as believers, and that's found in verse 17. And I believe, by the way, more than ever, that the correlation, listen, the correlation to your hope, the magnitude and level of your personal hope in God, is equal to the reverence that you have for God. I'll say that again. I believe that there's a direct correlation in point number one of our study in verse 17 that the the magnitude of your hope this morning, believer, is absolutely, inseparably linked to your reverence for God. And we're going to bring those two together, and I hope in a very uh, warm manner. Verse 17 uh, Peter says to them, and if you call, will you mark that? If you call on the Father who without, without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. What, what does he mean? So Peter is contrasting with his opening words to the life of, uh, that they were living in real time. Remember, they're being persecuted, and they are now far from their homes. They're running as nomads. That's why he opened up the chapter by saying that you are pilgrims. You're on the run. You're on the go. You've been, you've been fired from your job. You've been ostracized by your family. Your husband or your wife has turned on you. Uh, you, you are on the, you're on the run because of your association with Jesus. Jesus. Uh, you've been you've been so made fun of that it's even gotten and elevated to the point of violence, and so you're on the run. And he turns to them and says, rather than being fearful of what Nero can mandate against you or what this world can say against you to bring about intimidation and fear, Peter counters that by saying there is a kind of fear that the believer is to have, and you may be surprised, and you and I hope I have your attention. Yes, the Bible says that the believer is to be in fear, and quite frankly, in fear of God. But what kind of fear are we talking about? There is the very uh, terrorizing fear of the of the empire, or of the nation, or of the antichrist people. That is what it is. But then there's the fear that is this reverential awe of God. Listen, one is because God is so awesome and so not us. And then there's the fear that intimidates and binds you up. And all of us, church, listen, all of us deal with the fear of this world that you and I live in. Somebody say amen, please. If you you, uh, make it known that you're a Christian, you're going to experience the retaliation of this world. Jesus said, cheer up. This world hated him before it hated us. Jesus said, watch out. Make sure the world doesn't love you because it only loves its own. The world will hate you because you know Jesus. Listen, strange, right? The world will hate you because you're loving, you're fair, and you stand for justice, and you stand for compassion, and you stand for truth. The world doesn't really stand for that. It it, It will say it does, but it doesn't in practice. You are the salt of the earth. You are the life in this world. And God is using you. But we are to have great hope and mark it down because the future is all about hope for the believer. First thing we see here is that our hope is settled with access I, I, I don't want you to miss this. Please write down or mark the word access. Your hope, Christian, is absolutely settled. It's secure because of access. He says, and if you call on the who? Father. If you call on the Father, immediately the believer has access to the Father. Oh, church, listen. You do not have access to the Father because of any merits or any activity of your own. Are you today a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ the Bible says you have access to the Father. You don't buy it. You don't earn it. You don't have to bargain for it. You are in the family of God. We talked about that last week. And you have immediate access to the Father. And this is shocking to the Old Testament economy by design. You could not approach God in the Old Testament without a series of blood offerings… And even that, at certain times of the year, you had to have a high priest represent your concerns before God. And then Christ comes. He dies on the cross for our sins. He's resurrected from the dead. He's ascended back to heaven. And the Bible says he forever lives to make intercession for you, the believer, granting you and I immediate access into the presence of God. This is absolutely awesome theology. Uh, maybe I can put it to you this way, for those of you who need a little bit of an illustration. Do you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember the movie, Harrison Ford? Do you remember when they found the Ark, the Germans? Remember Hitler and this gang found the Ark in the movie, and uh, they, they opened up the lid? And do you remember all the guys fried? Remember that? They're all melting because the power of God was there. Listen, in the Old Testament, if you touch the Ark of the Covenant, if you mismanaged even the movement of the ark, you were struck dead. That's where Spielberg got that idea from. But did you know if they were to find the Ark of the Covenant today somewhere in the world? Did you know if they touched it or opened it up? Do you know what would happen to to whoever the archaeologist would be that would find it? Absolutely nothing. Did you know that? Because God is not in that economy any longer. Not that it was wrong, it was perfectly holy, but he fulfilled it in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was completed. That's how and why Christ was received back up into heaven. Him being your priest is the acceptable representation of your concern. And because of his blood, you and I have immediate access by prayer into the presence of Christ before the presence of God. We've got the high priest representing us before the righteous Father in heaven above. And it is absolutely based on the access that Christ gives us. But listen to this. What's interesting here, it says, and if, you ought to circle the word if, because the word actually means more since you call upon the Father or when you call upon the Father. It's natural for a child's response to call upon his or her father, Prayer is both simple and not. You ever pray? I want to believe every Christian prays. Hello. And uh, we've all struggled with this thing about prayer. Do it, does it officially count, pastor, when I just think about God and talk with God on the freeway and at home, mowing the lawn, climbing a tree, whatever you're doing? Does it, is that prayer? That's prayer. But for some reason, we've gotten locked into this thinking that unless I'm on my knees or at a prayer meeting, I'm not praying. That is prayer. But when the Bible says you and I as believers are to call upon the Lord or the the Father, it means at all times, at all times. Doesn't the Bible say that we are to pray without ceasing? How do you do that? I can't pull over and get on my knees along the freeway. You're not supposed to pull over and get on your knees along the freeway. You are to occupy in your mind, in your heart, in your existence, an attitude of communication with God. That's called prayer. So somebody might ask you, because you know there's polls. You can look at them online. Uh, Somebody like the Barna Group will ask, do you pray? And then they print out the data and it says something like, Christians pray an average of 15 seconds a day. I don't believe that. I don't believe that kind of pull stuff, especially in Southern California. If you drive the freeways, you are constantly in prayer. You're always praying. Aren't you not always praying? Aren't you always thinking? Aren't you always talking to him? I believe it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm always talking to him. I need that. The door is always open. Why? Because you have immediate access. I told you guys before, I've probably worn it out. But I remember talking, as many of you have been with me on the streets of Russia, evangelizing with people and, and sharing the Lord with people, and then they come to that moment, yes, I'd like to accept Christ. And then I, I would say to them, then let's pray right now. And they'll say, no, no, Pastor, we can't pray now. We've got to go into the church over there. That's how they're taught in Russia. We've got to go to the church and pray, because God can only hear us in the church. But he's the Lord of heaven and earth. We just sang it a moment ago. Wherever you're praying, God is listening access, awesome access. The Bible tells us in Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. That's a great verse, is it not? Are you in trouble? If you're not in trouble, you will be. So mark this verse down. It's coming. Trouble's coming. Everybody has troubles. Troubles. God says, call upon me. He wants you to come. Listen, it would be offensive if as a parent or a grandparent, my kids or grandkids would say to me, well, I was in trouble, Papa, but I didn't call upon you. I didn't call you. I didn't pick up the phone and reach out to you because I didn't want to bother you. Didn't that break your heart? That just crushed you. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, we have access. The Bible says, let us therefore come Boldly to the throne of grace. This is the Bible pleading with you and I to come into the presence of God boldly. This is shocking. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Those are two verses, Psalm 50 and Hebrews 4, that you and I should mark down and begin to employ on a regular basis. Oh God, I'm in trouble. I'm coming to you. Whatever trouble might be your trouble, go to God. You cannot wear out a path going to the Lord. Access. Our hope is absolutely settled upon the access that we have through Jesus Christ. And so Peter's telling us that you need to go to God since you do, when you do. Remember this, you're calling upon your father. What a great picture. What a warm invite. He goes on in verse 17, teaching us that our hope rests upon God's goodness. Our hope is rest upon God's goodness. Thank God. Look at the notes on the screen. Because the future is all about the hope, our hope is settled with access. Our hope rests upon his goodness. It's because he's good. God is good. The verse goes on to say, who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Now, don't raise your hand, but when we first read that together in our corporate reading a moment ago, did that make you a little bit nervous, maybe? Oh, no, no. I love the Lord, but uh, my my hope is rooted upon my good works? I mean, I, I don't know if I have that many good works, Pastor. Well, can I confess for all of us right here and now, all of us feel deficient in these areas of good works, do we not? We could all judge ourselves as to how short we come up on doing good things. We need to do more good things. The Bible tells us that as believers, we ought to go about doing good. That's what we should be doing. But that's not what's meant in this portion of Scripture. And you may find it very comforting to hear this. When it says that who without partiality judges, the word partiality, and I'm going to bore you with the technical meanings of this, but I hope you get your pen out and the notepaper and write it down. The word partiality in the original Greek language of the Bible means this, having no favorites, So what does this mean? It means God has no favorites. Would you say Billy Graham is God's favorite? Well, I feel like he is, but the Bible says, no, he's not. Would you feel like maybe Dr. David Jeremiah is God's favorite? Well, I feel like he is, but the Bible says he's not. If you are here today saying, well, pastor, I am God's favorite. Let me tell you, no, you're not. What's kind of cute about this is the Apostle John actually believed he was God's favorite. If you read John's gospel, John says that Peter, and regarding Peter, he mentions Peter and John and himself, but he doesn't say John. It says, and Peter was there, and so was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And John was actually referring to himself, which is kind of cute. I personally believe this, that every believer, every one of us who followed the Lord Jesus Christ, in spite of our failures and Shortcomings as a follower of Christ, we ought to all know theologically, because it's accurate, that we are the disciple that Jesus loves. You are that disciple whom Jesus loves right now. You say, well, what about the person next to me? Well, if they're a follower of the Lord Jesus, Jesus loves him too. You say, yeah, but pastor, I know something about this guy sitting next to me over here. So does God, and God knows the same thing about you. He doesn't have favorites. Isn't that hard for us? I actually think it's impossible for us to grasp this. Because we live in a world of favorites. Where do you work? Who's the, who's the last person that got the promotion? It could be you got it on merit, praise the Lord. Or, what, or how'd you get the job? Have you noticed that most jobs are gotten not by what you know, but by who you know? It, it's, not, it's, it's not a hard set rule, but it's very much the way that it is. Thus, the creation of the word in usage, network. We've got a network. You are, as, you are as viable and as strong as your networking. Well, how about this for network? Go to your father. God is your father. Call upon him. Why? Because he who without partiality. Woo, thank you, Lord. Did you know that the Bible tells us in another place that Elijah was just like you and I with his struggles over his passions and his desires and his issues? The Bible says he's just like us. We have this thing in our mind that all of the biblical characters, they all walked on water. They all glowed in the dark. They did not. They did not. It's hard for us. We have to receive that by faith. God has no favorites, says that word. The word goes on to say that He has no elevated ones. The word partiality means that, in a way, God does not accept the person's status, blood, or rank. Blood meaning royalty, it doesn't sway God. Queen Elizabeth is not a greater believer in God than you are in status and position. God judges without partiality.
0: Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Here on Real Radio, in a message called The Christian Life, Part 1. Thanks for joining us today. You know our prayer is that your hope is in God, who is the author and finisher of our faith. The Christian Life, Part 1. It's part of Pastor Jack's series called Anchored, a study in 1 Peter, a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. You know, life can change in an instant. Do you remember that day? It was a normal day in America. Picture-perfect sunrise with the autumn colors of innocence coming up on the horizon. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, we were at war. A war on American soil that we couldn't make sense of and had never before seen with such magnitude. On September 11, 2001, America heard a great noise. A deliberate and terrible noise where nearly 3,000 innocent civilians lost their lives. Over 1,600 of them were never recovered. And in an act of true heroism, 342 firefighters and over 70 police officers gave their lives in order to save others. So this September, Pastor Jack will have his 9-11 message, Did You Hear That? It's available for viewing at the website reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Again, it's called Did You Hear That? And it's available at the website called reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Many of you have already checked out Pastor Jack's Facebook page to receive news updates and to get a biblical perspective on what's happening in our world today. Many of you have also joined Pastor Jack for live services and special interviews. So, in that light, we'd like to tell you about an upcoming event that you don't want to miss. It's called Happening Now, a live event on biblical prophecy in light of current events. Now, joining Pastor Jack will be his good friend and Middle East expert, Amir Safati. If you're in the area, why don't you join us at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, California, or you can live stream Happening Now on Pastor Jack's Facebook page or at his YouTube channel called Real Life with Jack Hibbs. It's on September 16th, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Again, September 16th, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Won't you join us? This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.